This episode of Engineering Matters was made in partnership with MGF Excavation Safety Solutions. Temporary works were needed to build the pyramids. It hasn't changed. They're between three and five thousand years old. The rock didn't come from where they're built, they moved it. And, you know, if you go and look at the Great Pyramid at Cheops, it's absolutely massive. And Temporary Works Engineering, you know, wasn't fired up, get heavy lift helicopter or get a crane in or what have you. It was all moved by manpower. Massive sand ramps. Well, the only way you move that quantity of sand is by hand. It's, you know, awe-inspiring. Welcome to Engineering Matters. In this episode, we're taking a look at the projects that happened before the projects, the unsung heroes of construction. I'm talking about temporary works. Permanent projects, whether that's buildings or bridges, airports or dams, can't be created without a complex network of enabling infrastructure. Even the Great Pyramid of Giza, built thousands of years ago in Egypt, needed temporary works in the form of compacted sand ramps to position the permanent blocks. Steve Prower, technical representative for the National Access and Scaffolding Confederation, is certainly impressed by the ingenuity of the ancient Egyptians. You know, they were construction professionals. They were people that their entire life was dedicated to building things to the greater glory of their pharaoh and what have you. The pyramids of Giza loom over Egypt's capital Cairo, with the tallest standing 138 metres. According to archaeologists, these curved sand ramps would have scaled upwards, wrapped around the walls, and possibly even involved a ramping system from within the pyramids themselves. Today, temporary works are no less important. And to find out how they've evolved since the days of the ancient Egyptians, we went along to the Temporary Works Forum's 10th anniversary celebration at the Institution of Civil Engineers in London. Temporary Works is all the stuff on site that actually makes the permanent works work. So it gets you to that permanent scheme. This is Duncan Reed, Digital Construction Manager at Trimble. Well, the designers, whether it's the architect or the engineer, come up with their fantastic edifice that's going to look fantastic. Like the pyramids. It's the temporary works that gets you to that permanent scheme position. According to Steve Hesketh, Engineering Director of MGF and a director at the not-for-profit Temporary Works Forum, it's an industry worth around $10 billion a year to the UK economy. He explains more about what's involved. Temporary Works is the um, construction engineering side of uh, construction. Basically, um, when you're uh, building a new project, um, the permanent works designers uh, will design the overall building in its final form um, but then to build it um, a whole raft of its skills and experiences are required to provide the facilities uh, for the works to be built on site. This involves scaffolding, facade retentions, excavation support systems, um, propping schemes and um, cranes, um, use of uh, construction plant. Uh, there's many many facets to it um, but all of it's deemed temporary works. And being temporary, these works are often overlooked. Steve's company focuses on the groundworks and excavations required. Any major infrastructure works, any major structures involve excavations. Uh, so we're normally the first on site, one of the very first. Um, but if we don't get our uh, elements of the works right, the project is delayed right at the beginning, which has huge impacts 
in terms of delivery for the construction project. And major projects in the UK have a history of costing more and taking longer than originally expected. Get the very start right and you're more likely to stay on track. So it's vitally important that we get our element correct. So that's why, if you like, we are a bit of an unsung hero. It also means that these enabling works have to be delivered quickly. The result of that is all our equipment is modular. It's reused thousands of times. Um, so it, in fact, in terms of impact on the environment, the only impact really is the actual transport costs. So we tend to focus on the weight of the equipment we're supplying and trying to look at how we can minimise that how we can make just-in-time deliveries, how we can set up a network of depots around the country, run the, run the logistics of it so that we are having the least impact on the environment by supplying products. So in a very strange way, the temporary works equipment industry is a bit of an unsung hero. But Steve says the biggest opportunities for efficiency lie in digital technology and embracing the fourth industrial revolution, which has data at its heart. Better project data means better projects. We actually have full-time developers and app writers writing our own software packages for managing our equipment. We write our own design management software, our CAD management software, which allows us to deliver designs for projects in very short timescales uh, to a very high consistent standard. So we take the lead in that uh, and we also invested heavily in 3D and 4D technology. We have a number of full-time animators who work for us uh, one of the benefits of having animators within your own business, and uh, uh, which can be demonstrated to everybody, is if there's ever an incident on site, um, a safety issue, we can work with the client on site. We can model the incident, actually what happened. Our animators can do that. And then we can immediately do a lessons learnt on it and then show how it should have been done using animations. And as we learned in our 3D printing episode, episode 19, the benefits for construction are often in unexpected places. Steve has certainly found some. For about six, seven years now, we've used three little 3D plastic printers. So all our products we model in 3D, we show people how to assemble them. Um, if we're developing new products, we 3D prototype them. Before we actually even launch a product, we have done uh, animations of the safe systems of work, how to use them, assemble them, store them, stack them. And we build that now into every process within the business. And again, this is enabled by the improved processing power that came around just a few years ago and kick-started the fourth industrial revolution. For Steve, it means being able to track everything they're doing. And that's the beauty of the fourth industrial revolution for me. It's not anything too fancy, it's just the fact that we have the ability to store huge amounts of data very cheaply and access it via the internet straight away. This means much better situational data, meaning projects can be tracked in real time and the management systems used by contractors can talk to each other and manage costs, delivery and programme. This is a huge benefit to the industry, which historically has been slow to adapt to new technologies. The third industrial revolution of the 1970s, for example, that had automation at its heart transformed manufacturing, but didn't have the same impact in construction for many reasons. But now better data is keeping projects on track right from the start. And Steve explained that temporary works are crucial on the physical side too. Steve's company was involved in enabling a very famous and utterly crucial project, the Ipswich Tidal Barrier. So it's uh, basically a small version of the Thames tide, tide, Tidal Barrier. 
Uh, it's only 20 metres wide, but obviously uh, it's trying to stop the North Sea from flooding uh, through the River Orwell into Ipswich. This new defence provides a much higher level of protection against tidal surges from the North Sea, which devastated Ipswich in 2013. Costing around 70 million, it ensures around 1,600 homes and 400 businesses are better shielded from flooding over the next century. In 2015, the Environment Agency appointed a joint venture of Volker Steven, Vascalis Westminster and Consultant Atkins to carry out the project. And we worked with a specialist consultant, Tony G, on this very complicated design, obviously in a very tough uh, marine environment with a high tidal range and some significant uh, wave loads to take account of. So we had to basically work with the permanent works designers, the specialist consultants, and come up with a, a cost-effective design. The design itself was highly complex, requiring advanced modelling techniques. And the only way you could have done this project effectively is in 3D. So what we were able to do is work very closely with the permanent works designers and with the specialist consultants to come up with a bespoke solution. We used modular components wherever we could and then because of the intricate geometry of the structure made specialist uh, bespoke items for the final, uh, if you like, connecting pieces of the prop propping systems that we were using. And because we manufacture our own equipment and we work in 3D, we were able to produce these in sort of just-in-time process. The propping system formed a massive 30 metre by 30 metre sheet-piled cofferdam that allowed the main contractor to install a new flood defence barrier. These sheet-piled walls extended to a depth of 20.6 metres into the mostly loose-weathered chalk. Basically, we were making the final pieces for a massive um, cofferdam in the River Orwell um, days before it was actually being shipped to site and installed which meant that if there were any changes on site, they'd do the final measurements and then we'd make it. And that is definitely the way forward on something, a project like that. And this just demonstrated the values of all the systems that we'd invested in prior to this. Investment in new technology is only half the story. Steve says that one of the challenges for the industry and the Temporary Works Forum is to encourage members and people in construction to embrace new technologies. One of the hardest things is, is to convince people to adopt this new technology. Um, if you look at the other industries that have adopted this technology since the 70s, we're only just starting to do it uh, now, sort of 50 years late. So a lot of people are very slow to change and the construction industry in particular is slow to change. Leading change is where the Temporary Works Forum comes in. We're trying to promote the use of this um, new technology. I head up the working group that's looking into this area and we're basically trying to encourage early adoption of the new technologies uh, within the industry and we think temporary works is an ideal area to start simply because most of it is modular um, and we have the ability to adopt this new technology more easily probably than other areas. The good news is that some people are already convinced. This is Duncan from Trimble again. Well, I first came across Temporary Works when I was doing it over 20 years ago and I was on a drawing board with pens and paper and razor blades and doing calculations by hand. It is changed beyond all recognition now in this digital age. For us at Trimble, we see mixed reality as the best solution where you um, mix both um, the real world and the virtual world together through uh, technological solutions. We have a partnership with Microsoft for their HoloLens application uh, and we have software packages that allow you to visualise models through HoloLens and allow you to interact with that model in a real world environment which is phenomenal.
This episode of Engineering Matters is supported by Groundforce Shawco. Groundforce Shawco are market leaders in excavation support safety, providing a wide range of products from trench boxes to high-end hydraulic propping solutions. With 40 years of experience, its people provide first-class support from initial inquiry to project completion. Linked with an award-winning technical service department, Groundforce Shawco fulfills customers' excavation solutions throughout the UK, Ireland and mainland Europe. To find out more about Groundforce Shawco, visit www.vpgroundforce.com. Tony Gould is a technical director at Groundforce Shawco and is also a Temporary Works Forum founding member. He's been instrumental in the design and development of proprietary systems for the last 35 years and currently heads a team of over 30 Temporary Works engineers working in the UK and overseas. He touches on new innovations, firstly, new materials. Timber, steel, aluminium are sort of traditional materials. We're now looking at the use of plastics, GRP, composites, um, and, you know, and these provide ultra-lightweight uh, solutions. And secondly, wireless data monitoring, where workers are instantly updated with what's going on within a strut with regard to temperature, load and levels of compression when not on site. This is probably one of the most uh, significant innovations in, in, uh, in recent years. I'm really talking in the main about monitoring the, uh, the, the actual load in a, in a strut at any particular time. Um, and I said, there's some quite clever technology growing up around this using wireless uh, digital technology um, to provide the user with sort of instant access to actually what's happening in a strut. It just simply transmits its data wireless through the, um, the GPS network um, and allows the user to access through a web-based interface. You know, kind of there, there it is on your screen, if on your desk or even, uh, even, even your mobile phone. Steve Prow is also impressed by the technical changes. Technology has come on a long way. When I, when I started in this game, it was um, slide rules and rules of thumb, and it was a lot of empirical stuff. It's, people had learnt through mistake. We're now into finite element analysis and structural assessment and it's big stuff run through computers and um yeah technology has taken over you know why do pages and pages of calcs when the computer can do it in 10 seconds for you i asked steve for a recent example of the importance of temporary works and he said one project in particular stood out to him heathrow terminal five everyone goes oh yes yeah, big terminal building it's 26 separate projects there um there's a series of podcasts for you in, in their, their own right. And I worked on, I didn't work on the main building. I worked on several small, seemingly insignificant bits, but they all came together to, to make it work. We worked with some fabulous people that had real think outside the box engineering capability. And I delivered a cracking project, basically on time and on the money. One of those small and seemingly insignificant bits of work he worked on at Heathrow Terminal 5 was the Heathrow Air Traffic Control Tower, which at the time was known as the Hatchet, H-A-T-C-T, project. First, you have to understand why a new control tower was needed, and that is a Civil Aviation Authority requirement that the control tower can see aircraft moving on the ground. Ordinarily, moving parts for the new control tower would be quite straightforward. 
But here there was a catch. But there's an embargo on cranes operating in that part of the airport for obvious reasons. Cranes and aeroplanes don't match. So the uh, the construction managers came up with a scheme um, where the pod at the top, the cab, and part of the supporting structure was built remotely. It was built at the Royal Stands, which is on the uh, south side of the airport between Terminal 4 and British Airways World Cargo over on the Royal Stand. Um, and it was then picked up as a mass by a very clever bunch of Italians called Fagioli. Incidentally, they also did the main roof lift for the T5 main building. It was built backwards. They built the roof on the floor and lifted it up and put the building underneath it. So how did they move the tower? Well, there was no need for sand ramps this time around. They picked the air traffic control tower up at about a quarter of its finished height and drove it across the airport upright in one night. And soon enough, the control tower, which eventually stood at 87 metres, started to take shape. Uh, it was then jacked up like a tower crane. So they, they, lift, they had a lifting cradle, they picked it up. This is known as strand jacking. Inserted a new mast section in, they bolted it together. They went again, all the time, table stayed. My little bit of it was providing the access staircase to fit the pod out in its original position. It was already rigged, all the machinery and what have you was in there when it moved. Great project, really interesting bit. We had to do a temporary handrail up that, the inside of that mast, and it's a uh, regular curved triangle. So it's very difficult to get straight scaffolding to follow a curve. Brilliant project, brilliant team to work for. Most importantly, a client that had absolute faith in the construction team that they would deliver what they said they would deliver when they said, you know, BAA Heathrow Airport were absolutely superb to work with all the way through. Really good. As Steve Prower explains, some clients are superb, but others don't always appreciate the value of temporary works. Andrew McNamara is the Director of the Centre of Excellence in Temporary Works and Construction Method Engineering at City University London. During his talk at the Temporary Works Forum's 10th anniversary event, Andrew described the challenges faced by the industry. With Temporary Works, well, there's some problems. I've listed more than 20 difficulties that occur with Temporary Works that doesn't occur um, really with Permanent Works. Safety. For safety, often, very often, safety critical, um, no redundancy. Um, frequently requires compromise compared to what one might think is an ideal solution. How often have you come up with a solution and the site have said, mm, yeah, but we prefer it like this. Cost is another issue. Well, we always require a cost-effective solution and how many times have, have, have you been told, no, that's, you know, we'd like that, but it's, uh, it's, not, it's too expensive. Um, we may have to uh, design to allow adaptation later on and is that being foreseen? Maybe, maybe not. Um, it's often regarded as a necessary evil. There are people who think that it's just a waste of money. He also pointed to a lack of information, uncertainty over load paths and specifications. Uncertainty in construction, lack of information, sometimes requires adoption of the work of others, work on unsafe structures, lack of clarity over design issues, second-hand materials, 
capability of operatives and quality of work. Andrew has a potential solution though, and it comes in the form of education. Now, you can only get experience by being there and doing it and getting it wrong and finding out. Um, But we can do something. We can try to get the message across to people, and and that is by educating them uh, at the right level. This was echoed by other experts who called on those with the knowledge to share it. Alan Mann, who has over 50 years of experience in design and construction, has been involved in the temporary work of projects such as Wembley Stadium. As I can see most people in this audience are fairly mature, got a great deal of experience in their careers. We're all over the hill, it doesn't matter. What matters is these people who have just joined our industry and a challenge to us is how do we pass on knowledge that we've gained, often expensively and with difficulty, how do we pass on knowledge to these people? Because it's a process that will require every single year. This thing does not stop. At City University in London, there's now a postgraduate master's degree in temporary works and construction method engineering, a course that's the first of its kind in the UK. Here's Andrew again. To date, this has been Um, attended by uh, uh, engineers from specialist subcontractors and from main contractors. No one has come from a permanent works designer yet, but um, we we wait and and we'll welcome the first applicant because for sure that's, that's what's needed. And for those already working in the industry, there's the Temporary Works Forum. The Temporary Works Forum I think focuses our mind more on the construction phase, gets con- contractors involved, uh, which is going to be able to exploit the opportunities um, and build structures, say, faster, cheaper, uh, more innovative ways, and cut out a lot of the overspends that have occurred in the past. This is Mark Babin of Tony G and Partners. That's, I think, is vital for knowledge sharing. Um, not so much just from a cost point of view, but also safety. Uh, reporting accents between each other, where we can learn lessons. Uh, So I think it's vital to share knowledge. And that means sharing knowledge beyond the forum too. For thousands of years, temporary works have been the first part of creating our built environment and the only pieces of complex engineering to vanish once the project's complete. A lot of people will forget because good temporary works, well, any temporary works, is gone by the time the scheme is handed over. So in terms of the public, they will never see temporary works in a building that they're actually using what they might see is the windows in through hoardings but they might not necessarily realize that's the temporary stuff that's making the world work from the sand ramps on the pyramids to the propping systems used in the Ipswich tidal barrier these unsung heroes are indeed crucial to making a built environment fit for the 21st century and the only way for these works to get the recognition they deserve is for the knowledge to be shared Tim Lohman, chairman of the Temporary Works Forum, called on the industry, the people behind the unsung heroes, to start singing. The problem in our industry is not in this room. The problem is the people who don't know that this room's here. So can we all go out, meet the rest of the world, and explain what we do and why it's important? Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media, hosted by Bernadette Ballantyne, produced by Ross McPherson and edited by John Young. Special thanks to the Temporary Works Forum. 
our supporter MGF and advertiser Groundforce Shawco. Engineering Matters is available on all podcast apps, including iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And you can listen to it from our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media. If you like our episodes, please leave a fantastic review and share us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Reddit.